This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located at 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast, part of the Dorkening Network, with hosts Dr. Chris and Ro Lauren. Twice a month, we will talk about a Hammer Horror film, only the horror movies of the Hammer catalog from the Britain studio from the 60s, 70s, and the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Join us as we not only discuss the film's plotline, but also factoids about the different actors, production crew and behind the scenes facts as well as going over any of the information that happens to be on the Blu-rays or DVDs from these fantastic films. We will be covering classic films from Hammer's catalog, Horror of Dracula, Horror of Frankenstein, Brides of Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, just to name a few. We will also not be shying away from topics like sex, blood, and abuse towards women that many people may think be too taboo to talk about. Join us again twice a month here on the Dorkening Network and check out the rest of the shows on the Dorkening Network. You can find us at ChrisDSAV on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at RoLorn, R-O-L-0-R-E-N. Welcome back to a new episode of Goth Girl Horror, the official hack slash podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris, and joining me once again, all the way from the other side of the planet Earth, 12 hours from now, in the future. Well, my name is Ellie Christina, and as Dr. Chris said, all the way from Australia, 12 hours in the future. Where it is 10 p.m. here and 10 a.m. there. Right. Tonight on Goth Girl Horror, we are talking about the unusual hack slash crossover with Fangoria Comic Books Bump. And we'll get into a little bit of the history of Fangoria Comics and Bump as much as I could find, because there's not a lot out there to talk about. It's it's insanely obscure, but uh we'll we'll get into the history of it in the in these two episodes that we're doing dedicated to issues twelve and thirteen of Hackslash. Episode tw- issue 12 will be this episode, and then in a couple weeks, issue 13. But in the meantime, Ellie has the plot synopsis for issue 12 for us. So, issue 12, Hackslash and Bumped, part one of two. It's 1969, and in older county, Eddie has carved a wooden statue of his mother. She tells him that she won't always be there to look after him. Present day, Cassie and Vlad are headed to Hitchfield, older county, to investigate a massacre, 
where 30 college women and two men are all dead or missing after spending a night in the forest. The scene turns up some unusual clues, like a completely flat footprint and damage caused by shredding rather than slicing. Cassie meets cocky reporter Phil O'Grady, looking for a gruesome story for a ratings bump. He shares a video filmed at the massacre. Meanwhile, a policewoman guarding the crime scene is gruesomely murdered by a nightmarish wooden puppet with her name carved into its chest. Vlad, Cassie, and O'Grady are fending off an attack on their van before the monstrous puppets retreat, prompting the gang to follow. Thank you, Ellie, for your plot synopsis for issue 12 of Hack Slash Bump Part 1. I think it's called Bump Part 1 of 2, I believe. Weird little cameo that happens to be in this issue. Were you familiar with the comic strip Milk and Cheese? I was not. Okay. Although, it is actually in the interlude in the omnibus. Yes. That part of the issue before, um, but I wasn't familiar with Milk and Cheese before reading it in the original Hack Slash. Do you want to hear the funniest thing? All of the artwork for Bump was drawn by Hack's creator, Tim Seeley. None of it's in that omnibus. All the stuff by Emily Stone is in the omnibus. Oh, there you go. Some context for what's going on. So issue 12 and 13 were co- were originally supposed to be in a Fangoria comic book, but Fangoria comic books unfortunately went out of business. Um, a lot of their comic books got republished by uh, the Scream Factory, which is not to be confused with Scream Factory, the distributor of classic uh, cult favorite horror and sci-fi movies like Candyman, Urban Legend, Army of Darkness, Robocop 2 and 3, so on and so forth. For a long time, they were also available online for free to read. Unfortunately, all of the websites connected to Fangoria's original owners, Fangoria Comic Books and the Scream Factory, are all owned by Chinese gambling sites and travel agency websites. <laughs> wow, okay. Bit convoluted. Love it. Yes, extremely convoluted. Now at the I'm gonna jump right to the back real quick because there's a uh a, a thing back here that I actually messaged my good friend of the show, Sean Patrick Flannery, best known as being uh one of the Boondock Saints, the Boondock Saints movie, to ask him about the bump movie. And he said, I don't know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> Because in the back of this issue if you've noticed at the top of every issue of Hackslash, I don't know if it has this in the omnibus. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. But at the top of every issue of Hackslash, it says, in development to be a major motion picture from Rogue Pictures. That never happened. In the yeah, back of and this... uh, not, not in the omnibus either. <laughs> okay. In the back of this issue, uh, just before the final two pages, it says, Bump, soon to be a major motion picture, starring Tobin Bell of Saw, a.k.a. Jigsaw. Sean Patrick Flannery of the Boondock Saints, Ashley Lawrence of Hellraiser, a.k.a. Christy from Hellraiser, and directed by Robert Kurtzman from Dust Till Dawn fame and one of the people behind KNB Effect Studio. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this is all news to me. So the creatures inside this issue called tree huggers, not to be confused with people who tie themselves to trees to stop them from being chopped down, um, oh, were... are a part of the series. Say that again? Although that exact thing is a part of this issue. In, in a way, the logo for Bump has this kind of like wooden stapled on kind of look to it with the carvings of, on it. Tobin Bell was supposed to play Sheriff Lundy in the movie. Sheriff Lundy is a character in the Bump miniseries. Okay. 
I have yet to obtain a copy of the Bump miniseries. I only recently saw uh, four copies of the miniseries have shown up on eBay recently. They don't go for a lot, so they're not hard to obtain, but they're definitely uh, very rare. And they don't go for a lot simply because they are so cult? Probably. Um, I just don't think there's a lot of demand for them, but there's not, you really can't find them anywhere either because they were extremely low-quality print run. Uh, okay. Horror comics are sometimes hit or miss. If they were mass-produced, they seem to be bigger collector's items and go for a lot more money per issue. Lower print-run comics, sometimes uh, it's just a matter if somebody's ever going to sell them. Okay. Yes, that makes sense. Or I guess uh, find them in a garage sale. Exactly. So bumped uh, hack slash number 12 and 13 go for about $25 an issue on eBay. Wow. Yeah. And do you know how many were actually published? Of the hack slash bump two parts, probably yeah. the regular print run of uh, maybe 100,000 copies, less than 100,000 copies. Wow. Okay. So we open up with Milk and Cheese. And Milk and Cheese, um, at the back of the issue again, Tim Seeley actually thanks the creator of Milk and Cheese, which was uh, from Slave Labor Graphics. They were a pair of comic book characters created by Evan Dorkin, and they follow an anthropomorphic, misanthropic carton of milk and a wedge of cheese uh, that go on a crazy kind of weird uh, mischief spree. <laughs> I have never read the comic book, but the characters have been around, if you can believe this, since 1989. What? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So 30 years. Yeah. Um, other characters that are kind of related to them, not directly as in the same company, but they're definitely like related to them in, in some way, is uh, um, people find the Flaming Carrot and the Mystery Men to be along the lines of their zaniness. If you remember, the Mystery Men were made into a uh, movie, live-action movie in 2000. Nope. <laughs> this was before the uh, explosion of comic book films that we got like with X-Men and Spider-Man. I was going to say, to be fair, I would still be uh, like seven or eight years, seven, six years old, so... Uh, might have been a little bit old for me. If you can, find a copy of Mystery Men. It's a pretty decent movie starring Ben Stiller. Oh, that okay. Janine Garofalo's in it, too. Um, William H. Macy. All right, I'll have to see if I can find something. Uh, Pee Wee Herman, the actor who played Pee Wee Herman. Paul Rubens, I think, is in it, too. Not familiar with Pee Wee Herman, sorry. <laughs> but okay. This comic book has two covers. Uh, we have the uh, cover by Tim Seeley, where it has Cassie fighting the blonde-haired uh, bump creature. And they actually, issues 12 and 13, actually interconnect with each other. But they don't interconnect with each other uh, exactly. They're, they're kind of not... It, it feels like the print didn't cut very well in terms of how the two covers are supposed to connect. The other cover has Cassie in the bathroom with a blonde girl doing her makeup, smearing it across her face as she's seeing Cassie wash the blood off of her body. The issue opens up with the uh, a, uh, very similar to kind of like, have you seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D movie? I have not. I've never actually watched any of the Texas Chainsaw Massacres. In the 3D movie, it's a direct sequel to the original. A woman tells um, Leatherface to uh, go to some place specifically and someone will take care of him. And that's kind of very similar to what we have here with this old woman telling uh, the her uh, her son Eddie, the serial killer, uh, where she he, where he needs to go when she passes away. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, and in fact, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D movie, 
um, when the old grandma dies, our young uh, female lead it gets the note that she has inherited this like gothic mansion in the south in Texas, and she needs to go claim it. And little does she know that there's a part of the message that she didn't get that it also houses the serial killer known as Leatherface. <laughs> kind of the most important part of the note, I imagine. Probably, also considering that if you get the house, you also have to take care of the serial killer Leatherface. He's extremely loyal to his family, so he won't ever hurt you. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, so kind Cassie has a dream of milk and cheese, which again I think is hilarious that they make this tiny little cameo in the beginning of the book. Um, and did the omnibus also have the pages where where Vlad has the scratch tickets? Scratch tickets? Uh, no. No. Okay. So that pro- that part was probably cut out then. So Vlad's in the uh, van talking to Cassie, and he is scratching away at lottery tickets, and he wins eight hundred dollars which allows them to buy a Winnebago, which is a RV. This is where the artwork switches over from Emily Stone to Tim Seeley and becomes the Tim Seeley story with Bump. Cassie and Vlad are investigating uh, what uh, they believe to be a serial killer, but Vlad, who out of nowhere has a very CSI way about him, did you feel that when he was investigating? And it was just like, these aren't done by knives. These are done by claw marks. These people were ripped apart. And the way he investigates it, it's very, uh, very detective-like. Yes, I was very impressed with Vlad. <laughs> what did you think of the reporter from um, Hard Case that shows up? Phil O'Grady? Um, I mean, I was kind of surprised when it came to issue two, based on his development from uh, the first one. So it just seemed very... Okay, um, so I'm a big Garth Ennis fan, and I got a lot of... I don't know which one was actually published first, but I got a lot of what felt like Garth Ennis references throughout both issues. Um, so with Phil O'Grady, there's kind of like a little mini kind of scene in the Preacher series. Um, and also the beginning where obviously it was meant to be referencing the whole Leatherface thing. To me, it was referencing another scene from Preacher with uh, some kind of, cannibalistic hicks um so it was just interesting obviously i'm sure it had nothing to do with that but that's what i was picking up from both issues where kind of references to garth and a series i love it when vlad uh after cassie gets rid of the sheriff and gets rid of the nosy reporter vlad just appears out of nowhere behind her because he's been hiding because clearly they can't explain vlad's appearance to a local town yokel and a uh intrepid reporter and he scares the shit out of cassie I mean, I feel like he does that. I feel like that's kind of like a running gag throughout the entire Hack Slash series where he just kind of shows up out of nowhere, not intending to freak her out, but just always does, which is hilarious for someone who's always meant to be on her guard. True that. Uh, What's even funnier is then the next scene is uh, Grady shows up at the RV uh, with the videotape that was recorded of the girls doing their kind of girls gone naughty. And if you remember back in the uh, second uh, one shot, the actual second issue of Hack Slash, that was the plot line. It was a girls gone naughty, which is girls gone wild in the Hack Slash universe uh, serial killer. Yes, yes. I do remember that. Loved that little kind of nod back. Uh, we had to go into great detail about what Girls Gone Wild was. There was much research done for that episode of the podcast. I took one for the team. Oh, wow, you brave soul. Amazing. What a selfless act. I gotta say, up until this point, I mean, the Hack Slash comic book has been pretty, you know, it's it's a horror comic book, 
it's had some gruesome stuff or whatever, but these two issues that the issues 12 and 13, the villain in this issue, the bump creature, the tree huggers, they're generally terrifying to look at. And I could just imagine them scaring the crap out of me in real life. I think it's not so much how they look, which I agree is like absolutely horrifying. It's that the levels that they're going to in the ways that they're depicting death or aftermath of death, it's pretty jarring. <laughs> they kind of remind me of a 1995 horror movie called The Fear. Not Fear, but The Fear. Have you ever heard of this movie? No. You might have seen the video cassette tape for it, maybe, or the DVD cover. It has a guy looking at directly at you from the uh, the cover, and his half his face is in shadow. The other half of his face is made of wood. Oh, nope, definitely not ringing any bells. He's a marionette puppet brought to life, and he kills people. Uh, okay, yeah, I can I can definitely see the reference. And I'm wondering if that's maybe where Tim Seeley got the idea for this uh, story from. So was this not, so these creatures weren't already in the bumped, like, kind of universe? This was an entirely new concept specifically for this crossover? Correct, and I also have to correct myself. Bump was not created by Tim Seeley. It was created by uh, Fangoria Comic Books, um, specifically Mark Kidwell uh, and Jay Photos. Uh, They were characters created in their own book by Fangoria Comic Books called Bump. Oh, okay. I I just kind of assumed that it was a bit of a crossover with already established uh, characters or something that we'd seen hinted at in the bump that we were just meeting for the very first time. But yes, really and cool. in fact, what was supposed to happen is these characters, uh, Cassie and Vlad, were actually supposed to be in the bump book itself, crossing over, not the other way around. Oh. Oh, that is interesting. But what ended up happening is Fangoria Comic Books went out of business. Yes, sadly. <laughs> sadly. Um, and then yeah, Fangoria, and then Com- just... Fangoria Magazine started having all sorts of problems to the point that they closed shop in 2015, only to reopen in 2017. So why was it that these weren't included in the Omnibus, even though they were published as a hack slash uh, little issue? I asked that very question after your frustration that you expressed to me on Instagram, which I am 100% behind you with. I went right to the source, Tim Seeley, and he said, copyright. But even though it had already been released as as the little hack slash issue? In 1984, Marvel Comics published a uh, Transformer series that ran until like from 84 to like 1991. And in the fourth, yeah. the, sorry, the third issue of their Transformers series, which was set in the Marvel Universe, th- four characters appear. Nicholas Fury, Dum Dum Duncan, J. Jonah Jameson, Robbie Robertson, and Spider-Man. So when IDW years later has the copyrights to the Transformer comic book publishing line, they were allowed to publish every issue of Transformers except for issue number three. Okay. Wow. <laughs> The only thing they could do was publish the cover with Spider-Man on it, which was fine, but they had to give a text description of everything that happened in the issue. They could not republish the issue itself with Spider-Man, Jonah, Robertson, or S.H.I.E.L.D., Nick Fury in it. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That seems so bizarre to me, but, yeah, I guess it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. it's, it's, It's all a matter of publishing rights sometimes. These bump creatures are kind of creepy with the padlocks on the nipples and the crotch area. Yeah. 
that's not the kink that I'm into. <laughs> so I had questions about that, which I was hoping was going to be addressed. But again, it just stopped suddenly and we didn't get a resolution, which again, a reason that I was angry. <laughs> uh, the way they kill that poor sheriff is unbelievable. Ripping her face off and then it, like wearing her hair on top of their head. Again, um, so I don't know if you are familiar with Crossed by Garth Ennis. I am. Okay. Um, basically, all the ways that you see uh, these marionettes killing, and again, in the next issue that we'll go through, kind of seeing the, the slaughterhouse, that just gave me massive Crossed vibes, where it was just kind of so gruesome uh, and so torturous almost just to see how how far they could push the envelope without getting banned or censored. Yeah, uh, uh, they they definitely push the envelope in this comic book sometimes. I mean, as we're going to see in an upcoming annual, they push it to the absolute extremes with uh, the first time we're going to get like full-on frontal nudity. But uh, I love when Vlad's like, uh, uh, the what, what, what does he say? Hold on. Oh, uh, then say goodbye to the security deposit because I'm coming out. And he smashes his way through the van to kill these things. I mean, to be fair, the van was already, the Winnebago was pretty much already dead at the half point from the outside. Grady's like astonished by the fact that they were to kill these things. And Cassie's just like, well, that's what we do. And then we get later in Montana, Muffy uh, believes she has found the most notorious serial killer in the world, Cassie Hack. Dun, dun, dun. Now, the real letters at the end of the issue have some cosplayers dressed up as Cassie, like yourself. Oh, that's so nice. Tim Seeley says the brutally hot Ava Cole of Oregon is Cassie. The cutie Renee Marie dressed as Cassie. Uh, Josh Fawner as Vlad. We have what looks like a Cassie... Uh, oh, it's a rock band custom Cassie created by Falls and Bane. Because you could customize characters in rock band. And then we have a Cassie uh, tattoo with Cassie in a bikini holding a decapitated head. <laughs> oh, I love that. The ads in the issue are pretty much a lot of what we've seen before. A The Hellboy video game ad, a Dungeons & Dragons ad, a Spook ad, and then in the back, an ad for Drafted, which is a sci-fi story in space. And in the back that we have the previews for the next issue, which is issue 13, the second cover, the non-bump cover. So thank you, everyone, for checking out this episode. Come back in two weeks as Ellie and I will review issue two, part two of the bump two-part crossover. You can find us at, at GothGirlHorror on Twitter. And where can people find you, Ellie? Uh, at Ellie Christina on Instagram. That's my main go-to. And don't forget, you can also um, send messages to thatradiohorror at gmail.com. And all the previous episodes of Goth Girl Horror can be found on RadioHorror.com, as well as other streaming sites such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.